That stack of books, the Scone Edition. I'm Steve Scher. I'm Nancy Pearl with a blueberry scone. Thank you, Susie. In a, in a room full of people at the Brian Corner Cafe. Well, today we're going to talk. I thought it would be really interesting if we talked about what you look for in a book. Like when you pick up a book and you're trying to decide whether you want to read it or not. What, do you, what are you looking for in that book? I, I, I'm always interested in why people choose the books that they choose to read. So I thought we could talk about that. But before that, I have two books that I want to, um, to mention. One is actually not a book. It's an author. And she has written about 30 mysteries. Yikes. The, early, the earliest, maybe 25, are out of print but they're very easy to find online. And the author's name is Jane Haddam, H-A-D-D-A-M. Her very first birthday, birthday, her very first book, her very first book was, is, uh, or mystery was called Not a Creature Was Stirring, so it's appropriate for the holiday season. Um, the reason she came to mind is that I just found one of her earlier books um, as an e as an ebook that I just downloaded and read, which I had never I had never read that one before. So that was sort of filled in some of the background. But her main character is a retired FBI agent named Gregor Demarkian, who has moved back to his childhood. Um, the place where he grew up, the area of Philadelphia where he grew up, the, um, an Armenian-American sort of enclave. So you learn quite a bit about that culture, but the, and they're, they're, it's a series that you really it would be best if you read in order. You don't have to, but there is a progression through Gregor's life and the people that he knows. So if you're looking for a good mystery, um, I have to say that, you know, this veers on the cozy side, although there is some violence, but it's in no way graphic. They're just absolutely wonderful. So hunt them down. How long has she been writing? I think that the first one was published, and she, this is a pseudonym. Um, so under her real name, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce, she wrote a series of romances and other, and other books. Um, but these, I think the earliest one was published probably in the 80s. Um, all right, so you liked that book? Which book? Her, her series of books, you liked them? I loved them. What were you looking for in them? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, <laughs> turn about spare play. I, um, when I'm reading, when I'm looking for a mystery to read, we talked last time about palate cleansers, and for me, in between the kind of heavier books that I read, mysteries are, are what I'm looking for, mysteries or thrillers. And someone said a very interesting distinction between a mystery and thriller, and, and um, the person who said it was the thriller writer from Philadelphia, Lisa Scottolini. She said, in a mystery... The detective is not under personal threat, but in a thriller, 
the detective or the main character, policeman or whatever, is under personal, uh, you know, is, is threatened. His life or his or her life is threatened. So, but in a mystery, what I'm looking for is just not thinking. I, you know, so I, 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 the only thing I demand from any book I read is that it be reasonably well written. And Jane Haddam's books are very clever. Um, and I, I learn something all the time. Well written, non-threatening, uh, and non-thinking. But what do you mean by that, actually? Because you don't mean you don't want to, you don't mean you're not think. you like the mystery. Part of the mystery is to think about Oh, yeah, I'm not the kind of reader who tries to figure out who did it. Oh, you don't? No. I mean, you know, sometimes I stop and think, well, could she have done it? Could he have done it? But mostly I'm just spending time with those characters. So it's not anything. It's the same reason I read probably everything is just to get to know people in those books. I'm not an intellectual reader. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that definition of not being an intellectual reader. That might be, there might be something different to intellectual readers. All right. I love me the maps. So yes. I've seen this book before. Transit maps of the world. What makes this one? Okay. Why'd so, you bring this in? Okay. So this is one of you know how infographics are the sort of the the you know sort of growing in popularity and you could find them everywhere and on everything. So several years ago, Mark Ovenden, who's a British. Um, map, you know, sort of a map, transportation, and he's, he, he does transportation studies for a living, but is also um, is very interested in maps. And so he did a book called Transit Maps of the World, where you can just open up this book and see not only posters about transit maps, but you can see the actual, if you should go to, say, Tokyo, here is the transit map, which you can study in advance. I mean, it's just so much fun. Um, you know, Detroit, my hometown. So right. in English and in, and in Japanese or English and in German, German in this case? Right, yep. Because I yeah. don't know if I would know what the Scheinennetzplan. Well, this is the, that is obviously the bus routes in Dortmund, or I'm sure I mispronounced that. I mean, I mean, here's Detroit, which has <laughs> no public transit, basically very little public transit, which you can see in here, um, right next to Doha, which, as you might imagine, is very up to date with public transit. It's just one of those just sort of lovely books to... You know, St. Petersburg, I mean, Prague. I mean, you could sort of read this book and just dream about going to all of these places. That, I, would, be, this, that would be a nice gift book. I think it would be a terrific gift book, actually. It's the kind, of, um, the kind of book, I mean, I know just who I would give it to, somebody who's, I mean, I know, I know the person that I would give it to because he's very interested in sort of the little details and and oddities, and this is certainly one of those oddities. So if, if, if someone were coming to Town Hall on December 13th, they might hear about a book like that when we do that stack of books at Town Hall on December yeah, 13th. Yeah, so December 13th. How'd you like that, an embedded ad? That's what podcasts do. Oh, I see, I took it as a segue. What do I know about <laughs> embedded ad? Yes, oh, it's a segue yes, to an embedded ad. To an embedded ad. <laughs> so December 13th, um, which is a Sunday. We're going to do the town. We're going to do the that stack of books.
podcast at Town Hall, and we're, we have three guests coming, um, who two of whom work at local bookstores, one of whom edits uh, is the book review editor of an online, very well-regarded online um, book magazine, I guess you could call it. And they're going to be telling us about their favorite books of the year and, and um, taking questions from the audience like, you know, I have an uncle who's really interested in fishing. What, what should I, you know, what should I give him? And I'm going to be up on the stage too helping with that. So we'd love it. We'd love to have you come. 6.30. And what were you saying about that Hall. book? So this has, since we're in Seattle, and some of us are interested in uh, the, tra- you know, the transit system in Seattle, um, it's in here as well. I mean, you should see Melbourne, the train network in Melbourne. It's pretty, pretty impressive. All right, I'm going to reverse engineer your question before I go. Okay. So what kind of person would be attracted to this book? Well, Nola who tap dances, you said that this looked really interesting to you. My 96-year-old mother would actually love that. She's uh, housebound, and she loves everything about the world, and I actually think I would get that for her. She would get a kick out of this. That's the fine answer, and that sets it up. What attracts you to a book? Do you like cozy mysteries, by the way? Is that something that you're attracted to? Cozy mysteries, which I guess are non-threatening, well, cozy, with cozy mysteries, the fun definition of a cozy mystery, uh, Raymond Chandler called the murder in a teacup. <laughs> and that's basically what it is. Did Agatha Christie write cozy Agatha mysteries? Agatha Christie is the... Is she the, the mother the of gold, cozy mysteries? Yeah, she's the gold standard, gold standard. of cozy yeah. mysteries. She's the high tea. <laughs> cozy mysteries. So when you're ready to sink your teeth into a serious novel... Mm-hmm. What are you attracted to? I am attracted to wonderful writing and three-dimensional characters. The plot, I, I'm not, I, I can easily do without plot. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Just like yeah. a series of character sketches. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it, you know, with a plot-driven novel, you're concerned about what happens next. With a character-driven novel, I think what you're interested in is spending more time with those characters. And in a plot-driven novel, the plot is what moves the characters. In a character-driven novel, the characters determine the plot. So if you go back to Elizabeth Strout's Olive Kitteridge, it's Olive Kitteridge's character that determines what happens to that. I mean, to me, that's one of the one of the most wonderful character-driven novels of, of the last few years. Do you see that difference, Steve? I see that distinction. So, what what books are you attracted to? Uh, this is Bob, and um, I'm attracted to books that uh, have an interesting but perhaps often demotic style, but I love books with great dialogue, like Elmore Leonard. Uh, who was the author of The Friend of Eddie Coyle, Higgins? Uh, George not, Higgins. Uh, George Higgins, not Jack Higgins. Um, and, and that sort of, um, that, that's a, a local effect that keeps me going. And I'm reading a book like that right now that I may have mentioned last time. I'm reading Windy City by Scott Simon. 
and it's almost too rich. It's just full of these wonderful political characters who uh, just entrance you with their anecdote telling, really. So that, that's one of the things I look for. I, I'm very taken with uh, flashy talkers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Elmore Leonard certainly was one of the best dialogue writers that, you know, we've seen in the last couple of hundred years. He, he was pretty darn good about that, with that. Demotic style. Very nice. Hi, it's Susie. Um, even before I get far enough to know about the dialogue or the character development, if I'm just in the library and I'm deciding with a book in my hand whether or not to go further, I like to look at the reviews on the back, and it, depending on those that I happen to like, if they're lightweight, I'll put it back. If they're heavier, I might open it up. And then I'm also predisposed to enjoying books. Um, I'm, I'm more likely to open it if it's in a place that I like, whether I've gone there or I'm interested mm -hmm. in it. I pay attention to that. And then I get to, I open it up at random and read a few paragraphs to kind of get the sense of the style before I go further. So are you, um, so you're looking at the reviews on the back. Yes. So are you drawn to uh, books that are reviewed by authors you are already familiar with? Yes, that's persuasive. I like uh, things that are reviewed by The Guardian a lot. I do pay attention to that. Yeah. I. I I always am hesitant to go by those reviews on the back unless they're by subs yes unless they're from the Guardian or the Washington Post um, then I pay more attention to them but if they're just blurbs by fellow writers I tend to discount those out of hand I'm sad to say because you think they're just doing it to get reblurbed I I I wouldn't be surprised let me put it that way. So that when you see all those movies that are advertised that are number five stars, but it's by somebody from the Toledo Blade or, uh, you know, the, the blog in, in St. Petersburg or something, you're, you're not swayed. Well, I think that the, I mean, I'm thinking of like those full page ads for movies in the New York Times. This Sunday, there were just tons of full page ads for movies that are opening. And I think what we forget is that those little fragments of sentences that are pulled out, you know, they don't give you the context what's on either side of those, you know, of those particular words. So in general, I mean, there are very few people that, that I would pay attention to. Kate, what are, you what are you drawn to? Well, I'll follow up uh, on Nancy, what you were just saying about character and good writing, and, and what you mentioned um, about an interview might take you there. And Bill Moyers interviewed uh, Marilyn Robinson, who I'm I didn't know her name, but I knew her books, never read them. And Lila was a book that um, stopped me in my tracks. And so I go from, I really like the reflection. Of, a, a friend can tell me about a character and an evolvement of character. I will read that book. I'm also swayed in a bookstore by a cover <laughs> and how cute the cover can be. And then 
there's a process. Flip to the back, where does the author live? Is she, he or she local? It's, it's very uh, involved, actually, you know, <laughs> how I'd go about it when I thought about it. Yeah, what, it's always interesting to me, um, it, you know, in the 1960s, literary criticism, it was called the new criticism, and it was criticism that had you focus on the work itself and not who the author was or where they were from. And I remember reading an anthology of poetry and all there was there was the poetry. Um, it didn't have, it had the author's name, but there was nothing, you know, how normally in an anthology it'll say a little bit something. And I, I think that because I think that's what I kind of grew up on, is that kind of, or being introduced to that, is that um, I, I think that the kind of thing that you're describing where I look where the author's from, I tend not to do that. I tend just to, just to, you know, uh, t I don't know. That part is not as important to me. What you're saying that you you're all right with just seeing the work itself. You could, it could be anon, and it would be the work that would attract you. Well, I mean, there. Are, I, I if somebody says who's your favorite author, that would be very hard for me. I don't have a favorite author. I have favorite books. You know, um, because they're so varied and you could love one book by Ann Tyler and then be disappointed that her later you know her latest five books haven't been as good as Dinner at the Homesick Restaurant or something like that. Right but that's not what I'm so, asking. So, oh I, sorry. I mean if you just were handed a sheaf of typed paper black and you know black and just a typed paper blank otherwise of the author's name or any information and you dove into that story you you would that would be enough you'd be good you'd be fine with judging the work purely on the work because that's what that's what yeah. they wanted yes I, I think I would I mean I, I I don't like to read manuscripts so I would like it if it were published <laughs> in book form but I don't need anything about the author it's sort of like a blind tasting for wine yeah. or the difference between Pepsi and Coca-Cola, which I can distinguish between those. See, I, I think that's that's interesting, and I don't believe you, no. because <laughs> because I think we're so influenced by the um, the messages of the package. I mean, you don't like reading manuscripts. You said why? Because they're not oh, stapled, stapled, no, st and stable. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> um, I, it's just not pleasurable, like holding a book is pleasurable. It's well, a pleasurable experience. The Turning one page of manuscript over The New Yorker come. a few weeks ago had an article about the scientist who had figured out a way to determine how visual cues affect taste. And they're going to use that to perhaps be able to offer a the, the same beverage with less sugars, but the color blue will influence your <laughs> assessment of it as still a sweet drink. I mean, our brains are so complex. I just wonder if, because I'm with you, Kate. I also look at a cover, and I, I know that a message is in that cover. I know that the publisher is sending me personally a message. And so if it appeals to me... <laughs> Do you see messages to yourself on license plates, too? <laughs> well, but do you know what I mean? They, they, are, they are packaged to a particular sense. They just, they just are.
Okay, so here's a, here's a great example. I'm unfamiliar with this book, but Susie brought in a book called Christmas on Jane Street, um, a true story by a man named Billy Romp. When you look at the cover, what do you think? I think Christmas. Christmas. I think it's sweet. sweet. I think it's going to be exactly. a sweet story. And why do I exactly. think it's going to be sweet? Warm and fuzzy. It's got the pink colors. It's got right. the snow falling. Right. It's got the little uh, right. Christmas tree. It's got the curly cue on so, the lamp. So, so being the cynic that I am, th this is not a book that I would n pick up at yes. all. But somebody whose taste I um, respect brought it in to talk about today but th but you know it looked charming well publishers weekly said it's an unabashedly sentimental memoir readers needn't be ashamed to find this charming but that's publishers weekly so you give them some credibility right um, no. no no none how about the independent it's the perfect christmas feel-good tale billy romp made me cry i don't know i don't know i don't know it's all so personal that's what we don't realize I mean, how we read a book is so, it's just, I mean, everybody reads a different version of the book, and you bring to that book everything that's ever happened to you up to that moment, and, and then all your prejudices and your feelings about, you know, your sister or your brother and how narcissistic he is, and, you know, and there's a brother in a book, and you don't like the, I mean, what, and I don't have a brother, so that doesn't, not All right, speaking. Rita. Rita. You're a novelist, you're a writer. I am a reader. What do I look in a book? Well, for one thing, I, I appreciate to have some information that will be interesting for me. And I do read the reviews in the New York Times, in the Sunday. For example, last, I, I think that it was last Sunday, and the title is The History of Atheism. It has, has to have something that makes me think and make me say, wow, I didn't think about that before. That's very interesting. But how do you find that? How do you find the books? Well, mainly through either some people telling me what is good, maybe my husband that has more time than me to read, <laughs> uh, or books uh, uh, by authors that I have already read. I don't know if I'm permitted to put a plug in. Reader writes in Spanish. But when we went to the Feria Internacional del Libro in Guadalajara, uh, the head of Pearson Education said, do you know the reviewer in Madrid? Because uh, Madrid, uh, the review was such a rave of her book. And no, it was. So That's it, great. Yeah. Well, um, I do a lot of uh, author interviews for the History News Network. And for one thing, Nancy's been invaluable. And a lot of my friends have been for books that I or authors I've decided to interview, and one of them was uh, Nancy recommended, who I wouldn't have known of, was Ari uh, Kelman, who's a historian who wrote the text for a graphic history uh, called Battle Lines, A Graphic History of the Civil War. And he wrote that with Jonathan uh, Fetter Borm, an artist who's done other graphic novels and graphic history books. And, but for Nancy, I wouldn't have known about that. And a lot of the books Nancy has either written about in her book list series or mentioned here at some of these podcasts have been really valuable for me just for background. I tend to look for interesting international fiction. If the reviewers, no matter who they are, compare somebody to Kafka or uh, 
Gunter Gross or Bruno Schultz or somebody like that, you say, well, that's something I'd want to read. Even right. if it's a reviewer you don't know, they just conjured up Kafka and you're thinking, all right, I'll take a look. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting, that, that idea of, uh, you know, like somebody wrote Steinbeckian novel, I might, I might say yeah, that too. Yeah, but what if they said, I mean, what they're saying now, what you read a lot is like the oh, Dickensian or the love child of Dickens and Kafka. I mean, I hate that. And... <laughs> And you just see that in, uh, so frequently. What, what does the love child of Dickens and Kafka look like? So Nancy, you're the one. We're drawn to books that you recommend. I know, I love it. Thank you, Robin. I, I, I'm Harold and um, I, I do like plot-driven books. Uh, I, I find if, if a book's just about characters, I don't like it very much. I like the, um, the Scandinavian, um, thriller detective writers. Um, Henning Mankell is terrific. I can really identify with his characters. You really don't want to put him down. All right, I'll go at this question this way. You guys are hanging out in a room. Yeah. You're reading a book. You look over at him. What kinds of books would you say, oh, you should read this? And what kinds of books do you say, nah, he's not going to like that? Well, actually, we do that constantly, is... Uh, um, go through things. I've, I've just uh, finished the Underground Girls of Kabul, which and uh, that was <clears throat> so fascinating. I would definitely recommend it. I don't know if he's going to go ahead and do it, but I, I think it's 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 like a concept that every, I would like to talk with with other people about. And that's another thing I uh, look for in books. Is this something I want to talk with my friends and and my family about? But would you recommend it to him because you liked it so much and you want to share that, or because you think he would like it as much as you did? Actually, it's more selfish than that. It's because yeah. I want to talk to him ab about the subject matter. And I do that with my kids sometimes. And I try not to, you know, when I'm giving gifts, <laughs> to give people books that I think they ought to read because it will improve their character or knowledge. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to a book now that uh, you recommended, uh, the, the Last uh, Kabbalist of Lisbon, and it's really fascinating. And besides being something of a thriller, does anybody else have a, have a, have a relationship where they, they feel their re reading is so idiosyncratic that they just don't recommend books to their significant others? In our house that doesn't work at all because I read books like novels and mysteries and Bob reads books that have little or no verbs in them and he's a physicist. <laughs> he's a physicist and um, I look at his books and there's, there's no verbs anywhere. I'm like, how can you be interested in reading that? So. I mean, he's interested in what I'm reading, but it's not really what he likes to read. So we just kind of do our own thing that way. <laughs> Anybody else with how they're attracted to books? I belong to a book group, and one of the main reasons that I do that is so that I will read books that I would never pick up otherwise, uh, that I would never be attracted to. And that's really the benefit is that you find out something that, you never heard of or you heard of and rejected really turns out to be an interesting read. I like to read around and that's how I frequently find the next book. Something will be intriguing, some concept or something and whatever I'm reading, nonfiction or fiction, and that just informs the next book I'm going to pick up. For example, I was reading a series of uh, archaeological mysteries and they just introduced all kinds of areas of things that I hadn't really thought about. So I went out, 
picked up some nonfiction, more descriptive things about them. And I find that in all kinds of things. Like they'll reference uh, an author that I'm not familiar with or haven't read much about or something, or there'll be some quote of something. That's how I'll pick up a lot of things that I read. But Steve, do you remember that years ago we wanted to do that? I wanted to do that um, is to follow people's reading because my theory is that that's how that's how many of us read we move from one book to another based on things that 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 original book has made us think of or that has intrigued us in some way it would be interesting to, to make a list of how you went from A to Z see what that list looks like and I love the idea of how fiction leads us to nonfiction because those archaeological mysteries with Amelia Peabody as the detective late 19th century are just great fun but you know then they then you start thinking about um, you know the palace and Canassos and that's what fiction can do is lead you to just wonderful nonfiction I, I mean people you know like apologize for their fiction reading oh it's just a mystery I um, I mean some people do some people maybe have a stronger character but 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 I think that fiction I mean it just it just is a doorway into pleasure when you have to figure there's a back and forth that writer obviously had right. to do research in order right. to be a competent writer yeah. in archaeology right. I was just going to add that my favorite book on the topic of a curious mind being led from one book to another is 84 Charing Cross Road. Mm -hmm. And Helen Hemph just would, was insatiable. And one, one book and then another book and another book. It was great to read. I yeah. yeah, that's a wonderful book, 84 Charing Cross Road. That was a pretty good uh, discussion from a, from a uh, topic I was very skeptical of. So there again, Nancy Pearl, she knows what she's doing. Trust me, Steve. Trust me. Uh, all right, we'll see you at Town Hall December 13th at 6.30. And, and next week, back at Bryant Corner Cafe, 3.15. Um, us, the group, and um, eight librarians, and you who are listening. And thanks, Sarah and Christopher, and all you guys at Bryant Corner Cafe for having us. Indeed. And thanks for Half Price Cookies. Thank you all.